Hi, everyone. Thank you for joining us for the 539 Church Podcast. 539 is a church in Goodyear Heights seeking to invite people into Jesus's family. If you're in the Northeast Ohio area, we'd love to have you join us for one of our Sunday morning gatherings. For more information about us, including our service times, address, and live stream information, please go to 539.church or look us up on Facebook or Instagram. Well, good morning, everyone. Again, welcome to 539. My name is Craig Peters. I serve as one of the elders here. Uh, Mike is on vacation, and so uh, you get me this morning, but uh, so thankful to be a part of this ministry. We don't, uh, we're not too much into numbers here, uh, but uh, if you were here with us last week, uh, it's incredible. Maybe you know already, there were 711 people here this past week uh, for Easter, so praise the Lord for that. And an even better number was there were 13 people that put their trust in Christ last week. So praise the Lord. So we are, we are thankful for that. So it's great to be with you. I spent seven years from age 14 to 21 working at a church camp out in Ravenna, Ohio called Camp Carl. Uh, wonderful time. Uh, hundreds of kids, hundreds of campers would come in throughout the summer. and Just a fantastic time for them. With the hundreds of kids that would come in every week, we knew that hundreds of kids would end up being in the camp pool. And we were told uh, during our staff orientation, now if a kid's got to pee, tell him to get out of the pool immediately and go into the pool house and use the pool facility because that's what it's for, not the pool. And so we told them that, but we also kind of told them this fib, and we would, we would tell them, now if you stay in the pool and you go to the bathroom, uh, all of a sudden, you will see red all around you. And so everyone will be able to identify who the perpetrator is, or in this case, the perpetrator. And so, uh, but it was, it was used to divert them to go and use the, the pool house rather than the pool. Well, you know, you've got kids coming in for the first year or second year, and they don't know any better, so they're believing this fib or this lie, and they're listening to it. Well, there were other kids that came in, and they had been coming for years, and they're beginning to really question whether or not this whole thing is true and uh, beginning to ask questions and about the truthfulness of it. Well, uh, the lie was exposed because at the end of the week, a kid dove off the diving board and did his business in the pool and while well, everyone waited to see if uh, the water was going to turn red and nothing happened. Uh, those of you that are young here don't have any, get any ideas. Uh, and so nothing happened and so the lie was exposed. All that to say that we begin a very timely uh, series today, uh, a series that we are calling Lies We Listen To, uh, especially in a culture that does a really good job of casting a lie, making it look like the truth. And so we are doing this series because there are many lies that have been told to us, whether it be a friend whether it be a counselor, a coworker, uh, there are times when people will say things to us and we actually begin to believe that lie. Uh, even ourselves, we will tell ourselves some lies and we begin to tell them so much that we just think, well, I guess it's true. And certainly our culture is throwing lie after lie after lie out uh, in our lives, hoping that we will believe it when in reality it is a lie, it is not truth. And certainly we see the majority of that coming from our enemy, Satan himself. Uh, I think you would probably agree with this. The lies we tell ourselves are always the most dangerous. How many of you have done this? 
You have told yourself some lies, and you've told yourself this so many times that it has become very dangerous because you're at the point where you are believing them and looking them as truth. We become our own worst enemy in exchanging the truth for a lie, especially when we believe that the truth is up for discussion, that somehow the truth can be changed or the truth can be uh, negotiated in what we think is true. And there is a great danger today in substituting the uh, truth for a lie. Uh, and so I, I don't think we'll find better evidence in upholding truth and promoting truth. Uh, I don't think we'll find more evidence in uh, proclaiming truth and living out truth than for us to go all the way back to the garden in Genesis chapter 3 where it all began. So uh, meet me, if you will, this morning in Genesis 3, and hopefully you bring a Bible with you. I know that we use our phones sometimes, but there's something about a hard copy of God's Word that's so good. And while you're turning to Genesis, Genesis 3 this morning, let me just say this. There is so much information in these 13 verses that it would probably take numerous sermons to be able to really do it any justice. Uh, we are merely skimming the surface this morning, but I thought, let's approach God's word today with this mindset in this heart. Lord, I really desire to know your truth. And I really desire to live your truth. And I don't want to be swayed. Uh, there's a lot of people being swayed by so much out there today. I want to know your truth. I want to live your truth. And I don't want to believe the lies that are being thrown at me. And so we, we, we see uh, in Genesis chapter 3, let's look at the first five verses. It says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the other beasts of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say you should not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said you should not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open, and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. We see a first lie here, and that first lie is you can't trust God with what he says. And that is being pushed at us today. You cannot trust God in what he says. Uh, notice our scene. Our scene opens in the garden, a type of paradise, of innocence, of harmony and oneness with the Lord. And we see in the garden there is a serpent, but not just any serpent, there is the serpent. And just in case you're confused as to who this serpent is, we go all the way back to the last book of the Bible, which is the book of Revelation, and in Revelation 12, verse 9, it tells us this regarding who that serpent is. It says, And the great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent, who is called the devil, Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. We see who this serpent is. It is Satan. And if we're a believer in Christ, I guarantee you he will try to play havoc in our lives, chaos in our lives, and try to get us to listen to the lies that he will whisper to us. How is he described in verse 1? It says that he was, do you see it? Crafty. Crafty, some translations say cunning or sly or sneaky, kind of like a telemarketer. Um, if you're a telemarketer, sorry. <laughs> uh, but, but he's, he's kind of sly. And, and one of the things that he tries to do is he tries to get 
uh, or cast doubt or confusion in Eve's mind uh, to get her to question if God could be trusted. Even to that point in verse 1 that he says, did God actually say? The moment he says this, he is starting to cast doubt or confusion in Eve's mind. And, and Eve is starting to think about these, this, think about this statement, and she is going to give in to a lie. And she is asking herself, can I truly trust God in what he says? Not only Eve, but all of humanity have fallen into this deception. Some of us here, when we hear God's command, it is a clear command from God's word, many of us will rationalize that command and say, that's not what God meant. Or, or, or um, uh, it doesn't really apply to my case. As someone has said, doubt and confusion are the weeds that will choke the seed of truth that we would be living lives that are true. We all live in this culture. We all live in this culture. Let's make sure that we're living truth because we are being told so much in our culture today. And so we see that this is being tested right here. Um, we will question the truthfulness of God every time if we are not familiar with what he clearly says and how he sees us in his word. Do you know what God's word clearly says? Do you know how he views you and sees you? Because so often when we're not in God's word, we begin to believe these lies that are in our culture and that are coming from the enemy or coming from someone. Maybe some of these lies you have started to believe. He says he loves me and cares for me, but I just don't see it. God doesn't have my best interest in mind. God's holding out on me. I'm nothing more than a worthless piece of trash. I will never amount to anything. If my past doesn't define me, why do people keep bringing it up? I gave up on God long ago because I'm certain he gave up on me. So subtle. So subtle. Everyone say the word subtle. I mean, we don't even see it sometimes. And so many of the times we believe these lies that someone has told us or we're even thinking of it ourselves and they come in waves. And we usually listen to these lies during seasons of heartache and difficulty and also seasons of sin in our life. And some of us this morning maybe have been told by others or have told ourselves these lies so often that we actually are starting to believe them. We see the serpent, Satan, uh, trying to get Eve to second guess what God has clearly told her. It's interesting, if you looked at verse 3, when she says, God said, you should not eat of the fruit of the tree that's in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. Is this true? Everything that Eve has just said, is this true? If you were to look at Genesis chapter 2, verse 17, when God gave the command to Eve, God says this, but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Do you see something different from what Eve said? Eve said, if we even touch the tree, we will die. How many of us have ever added on to God's word? 
See, there are lies that we listen to. Um, there are lies that we listen to that go against God's commands, but there are also lies that we've created ourselves, um, adding to God's word, making it our own. And so the serpent in verse 4 says this, You should not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open, and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. I find this, I just found this, that there are some Jewish writers that have said, the moment that Eve said, we're not even to touch the tree or we'll die, that the servant pushed her up against the tree and said, look, you're touching the tree and you're still alive. One more thing that the enemy uses to try to cause doubt and confusion in our life. The enemy goes on and says, well, your eyes will be open. Your eyes will be open. You will know. You'll be wise. You'll be like God. You'll know between good and evil. Were their eyes open? Were Adam and Eve's eyes open? But when they were open, they were open to their sinfulness. It was open to their rebellion. The enemy, it's a half-truth that he's giving here. He says, your eyes will be open. That is true. But their eyes will be open in the area of their sin and their rebellion. He goes on and says, then the serpent says, you will be like God, knowing good and evil. The final lure here was the most powerful one because it's exactly how Satan himself fell, wanting to be equal with God, independent of God. And Eve tried to be a God herself by rebelling against God. One of Satan's greatest tactics is to make us forget all that God has given us and focus on the one thing we can't have or don't have. Can we read this together? One of Satan's greatest tactics is to make us forget all that God has given us and focus on the one thing we don't have or can't have. Has that ever happened to you? God has blessed us. God has used us. God has given us so much. God has given us his truth. He's given us a family. He's given us a church. He's given us so many things. He's provided a roof over our head and food and breath and life. And yet there's one thing that I still want. There's one thing that I can't have. And the enemy so quickly will say, you deserve it. You deserve it. Why shouldn't you have it? And we begin to listen to that lie. The enemy is a master at half-truths. Uh, so much of just wanting you to get off just one little degree. Just one degree. I, I, I heard a story recently of, a, of a, a, a pilot in the Air Force who said, for every one degree a plane gets off course, you will miss your targeted landing spot by 92 feet for every mile you fly. So if you strayed off just one degree from uh, JFK in New York all the way to LAX, California, off just one degree, you would wind up 40 miles in the Pacific Ocean. One degree off course for an extended amount of time can lead our way off course. And most of the time, it's not just a major event that uh, uh, leads to uh, uh, negativity, but usually it's that one degree that we got off five years ago that we didn't take the time to correct. And now we find ourselves saying, what in the world was I thinking? How many of you ever said that? What in the world was I thinking? Anybody ever say that here? I mean, do something so dumb. You do someplace, go somewhere, look at something, do something, and you find yourself, once your eyes have been open, you're like, what was I thinking? 
How foolish. And yet, I know you don't want to raise your hand, but how many of us have said that again and again and again? And now we're believing that lie. And so the lie here is you, you can't trust God by what he says, that we would keep to his truth, not veer off. Is it easy to veer off in the truth today? I mean, our culture, I mean, you just, it's just in our face. Everything's in our face. And we've got to come back, spot the lie. When our kids were little, we would play this, you've played this, where you're watching TV or whatever, and something is said, and you automatically know this is not what the Word of God says. And you can spot that lie. But we will never know what the lie is unless we know what the truth is. And we've got to know what the truth is. Um, if the enemy can sow a seed of doubt, confusion in our minds, that then can be manifested into our actions. And that's really our second point. And our second point is, my actions will not affect me or others. Have you ever said that? It's not going to affect me. I'm good. I'm good. Now, I'm not, I'm not, I, I really want to bring up a number of issues here, okay, that we think it's, it's harmless. It's not going to affect me. It's not going to affect others. But you got somebody that starts drinking and continues to keep drinking, and now all the money that they have just had for their job, they're using at the bar, and they're going home, and they don't have anything, and that guy is beating up his wife. You can't tell me that his sin doesn't affect him and doesn't affect others. And so we, we see this happening. And, and I think it's interesting. Look at verses 6 and 7. It says, So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were open, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. God's warnings are there for a reason. Listen, I, I met with a guy one time, and he said, Craig, if I have an opportunity to read God's word or to go on the internet, he said, man, sometimes I don't want to go into God's word. It will affect us. Our sin will always affect us. And we see that God has given us some commands in his word that are not to be sidestepped, they're not to be ignored, but they're, be, they're, they're to be heeded to. Eve sidestepped God's command and did exactly what he told her not to do. You ever do that? You've been told not to do something? Hey, that's hot, don't touch that. Yes, it is. It is hot, okay, okay. It says don't touch wet paint for a reason, okay? And I know those are small things, and those aren't even sins. But, but you understand where I'm coming from. The serpent has just contradicted the word of God and the character of God. And he said, listen, your eyes will be open. You will not suffer any consequences. And you will see so many benefits when your eyes are open." And he's weaving a web of lies to get her to question God and to get her to think that her actions will not affect her or others. And notice what the uh, uh, serpent does. He appeals to the five. We've got five of them, don't we? 
the senses. What are the senses? Tell me. Smell, touch, taste, uh, hearing, and sight. He, he appeals to the five. And, and you know what? Anytime we begin to listen to the lies of our culture, and we listen to the lies of ourselves, and we listen to the lies of, of, of the enemy, it always deals with the five. Because the five try to lure us in. I love my senses, okay? But sometimes I have no sense. Okay? No sense at all. And I've allowed these senses to become greater than the Word of God. And I should know better. And notice what happens here. She's been hearing this lie. Uh, it says she saw. It was a delight to the eyes. And I don't think it, it was the fruit that was enticing, but the strong desire to be more like God, to be like God. That's what was enticing for her. She took, she ate, she gave some to her husband. Be careful that our senses don't override the truth of God's word. All right. You may not even be hungry and you walk past a bakery and you can smell that bread and you're like, oh man, oh, that smells great. And you go in and before you know it, you have bought five loaves of bread because of the smell, because of the senses. Let's be careful that we don't allow our five senses to override what God's word clearly says. It says their eyes were open and they knew they were naked. There was, there was an awkwardness there. They were naked before and there was an innocence there. But now their eyes have been opened and they're like, what was I thinking? There's an awkwardness there. There's an awakening of their sin that is there. And so they quickly sew fig leaves together to cover up their nakedness because their sinful actions have been revealed. Here's the reality. Here's the reality of listening to lies. Lies will promise but never deliver. Lies will always promise. And I don't have to tell you this. We've all given in to them. We've all given in to the lie. We've all listened to the lie. Only for us, for our eyes to be open and for us to think, man, what was I thinking? And so uh, we begin selling ourselves. Can we read this together? We begin selling ourselves on what we want to do rather than what we ought to do. We listen to ourselves until we believe our own lies, hungry for our own happiness, rather than embracing God's holiness. I deserve it. I deserve happiness. This will make me happy. And yet we see how far off we get. That what I thought would make me happy was a lie. God's more concerned about our holiness that we would hold to his truth. And I truly believe that when I am striving to be holy, that's when I'm the happiest. You're always the happiest when you're closest to the Lord and always the most miserable when you're furthest away. How, how many of you here have ever been pushed into a pool? Okay, okay. Uh, and that's great if you have a swimsuit on and someone just comes and shoves you. If you get a full suit on, okay, not good. But most of us here, if we have been pushed into a pool, there's an instinct that immediately does this. When we're ready to go into the pool, we twist back and we try to what? Grab the person that has pushed us in. To pull them in as well with the thinking of, if I'm going in, you're going in. If I'm going down, you're going down. And that is exactly what Satan does. 
That's his tactic. Because he knows that his destiny is, is destruction. He knows that he cannot take God out, but he can play havoc in our lives. And so as he is going into his destiny, his destruction, he is trying to take as many people as he can with us. He's trying to take his children, God's children, with him. Which leads us to verses 8 to 13. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among, from the presence of the Lord God, go back, among the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. He said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, the woman whom you gave to be with me. That's not emphasized. That's I just emphasized that. Okay. okay. I'll say it a different way. The woman. Uh, the woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me fruit of the tree and ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, Who is this that you, what is this that you have done? And the woman said, The serpent deceived me. And I ate. Do you see what happens the moment their eyes are open? They hear the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. They've recognized that what they've done is wrong. And instead of saying, Lord, I was a bonehead. It was so dumb. I, I bring this to you. What do they do? They go into hiding mode and they go into hurling mode. And we've all done it. Um, both of these we do in an effort to dismiss taking responsibility for our sin. This is probably one of the biggest mistakes that we make and biggest lies that we make, thinking no one will ever know. That's the third one. No one will ever know. No one will ever find out. Just keep it to yourself. You'll be fine. And I think as long as we're a believer and we have the Spirit of God within us, we'll never rest. There will never be a resting time where we're at peace as long as we're holding something back and trying to hide something from the Lord and from others. Why, why do we do this? Why do we hide our sin? Why do we hurl or blame our sin on someone else? Um, I think because we're ashamed. We're ashamed that we got suckered into a lie when the truth was right in front of us and we knew it all along. Hey, listen, I've hid my sin. And I'm miserable, miserable. And yet the moment that I confess it to the Lord or I need to confess it to someone else, there is a peace that surpasses all understanding. And yet the enemy tries to get us to think, you don't want to tell anybody. You want to hold it in as long as you can. It's just between us. He, he doesn't want you to feel that freedom that comes from saying, Lord, I've messed up. I come to you. And it may be once and it may be a million times of, Lord, here I am again. And we have a loving, forgiving Father that forgives us. And yet, we don't want to stay where we're at. He wants us to move on so we can be stronger and better in Him. How many of you know who this is? Now, I'm dating myself here, okay? This is Rose Ruzi, okay? Ru Ruiz. Rose Ruiz. Rose Ruiz, it's a picture of her here. She ran in the New York Marathon in 1979. 
She qualified for the Boston Marathon because she came in 11th place. But after she finished and she came in 11th place, authorities said, wait a second, we saw her get on a subway. And she got on a subway and went up several miles and got off, jumped in the race again and finished 11th. Do you, I, can you imagine her getting on the subway? Here she is, <laughs> sitting down, you know, here's my stop, gets out, and you're in 11th place, you, you qualified for the Boston Marathon. Do you really think she thought she would get away with it? Apparently she did. But she didn't. She didn't. And now when you hear her name, you don't think of a great runner. You think of somebody that hopped on a subway thinking that she could get away with it. When in reality, she didn't. There's a lesson for us to learn here. The next time we think we can get away with something, would you just remember the truth of God's word and what he says? That in Numbers 32, 23, this is a tough verse for all of us, but it says you can be sure of this, your sin will find you out. And that should bring an enormous amount of, of good fear in our heart of I want to make sure I'm right with the Lord. I want to make sure I'm right with others. You may not be found out today or tomorrow or next week, but there will be a day when all of our unrighteousness will be revealed. Will be revealed. Um, Adam and Eve learned a hard truth. You cannot hide from God, nor can you hide our sin from God. Love the verse in Proverbs 28, 13. It says, whoever conceals his transgressions will not, what? Prosper but he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. Isn't that what we want? We want mercy. Mercy is not getting something that we do deserve. We have been given mercy. Hiding our shame keeps the truth from breathing life into us because a hidden life often leads to a hardened life. And I do believe that Adam and Eve, after their eyes were open and they had been listening to the lies of the enemy, would have given anything to be able to go back to a time of innocence. And how do I know that? Because we do the same thing. After we pursue what we think is going to be so great but is nothing more than a lie, we would give anything to be able to go back and redo it. Go back to that time of harmony and oneness and innocence. And so the question this morning is this. What lies are you holding on to that keeps you from holding on to him? What is it you're not willing to let go of? Are you still hiding? Are you hurling and casting blame? What, what lies are you holding on to that keeps you from holding on to him? My wife and I, over the years, have done the Metro Park hiking trails. We, we have loved it, and when we first started out, uh, we do one or two trails. You have to do eight of them in order to get this stick and this little emblem type thing. You know what I'm talking about? If not, don't worry about it. And, and so you get a stick, you get an emblem thing, but you got to go through eight of these trails. And so my wife and I would do like two of them and go, this is too hard. Let's just go to Swenson's, you know. And so, you know, we, we would never finish. Well, this, a couple years ago, we said, you know, we are bound and determined we're going to do this. And we did all eight. And we got our little stick and we got our emblem. We we're so happy. And, and then the next week... It was gorgeous. It was one of those fall days where you're like, man, this is so nice. And my wife says, hey, why don't we go on a trail? And I said, yeah, but I don't want to go on the metro trails. We've already done that. 
Let's go on a trail we've never gone on before. And someone told us about Brandywine Falls. You ever been to Brandywine Falls? So we didn't even know where it was, got a GPS. And I think everybody had the same idea that day. We're all going to go to Brandywine Falls, and we are circling the parking lot. There are so many cars, and there's not one space. And we come around to the front, and all of a sudden, the very first parking space, the guy pulls out. And I'm like, yes, this is great. And so we pulled in. And beautiful day, there's a sign there that says Brandywine Falls. And we start walking down the trail. And as we walk down the trail, I see a piece of paper. And I I pick it up. I don't even look at it. I roll it up. I put it in my back pocket. And I think, I'll throw it away somewhere. Okay? And so we see Brandywine Falls. It was great. It was really good. And as we're coming out of the falls, there's a sign right there that says Stanford Stanford Trail, 1.5 miles. And I said to my wife, I said, we can do this. We're not that old. We can do 1.5 miles. And so we started. It's a beautiful day. And we walked, and we walked, and we walked. And I thought, where are we? We no longer saw people. We no longer heard birds. <laughs> we, we were lost. We were lost. And it's like the trail just ended. And I'm like, where are we? I had no clue. We were lost. And so we came out to this road, and the road just seemed to go on forever, and you could tell that the road started to climb. I said, well, maybe if we go up here, maybe we'll be close to Brandywine Falls, or, you know, we got to find somebody. And we started walking, and we walked, and we walked, and we walked. And I was sweating. I mean, I looked like a fresh glazed donut. I, it was just, I was just dripping sweat. Not one car. We did not come across one car. My wife and I are up there. And we had a decision. It was a Hunger Games situation is what it was. And, and, and we're standing there, and we didn't know what to do. We are lost. And all of a sudden, we hear it. We hear a Harley coming. And there's a distinct sound of a Harley. And it comes. And uh, here comes this guy, and he was just like this pretty big boned man. And uh, my wife does this. <laughs> and he pulls over. And uh, I said, hey, we're, we're trying to get back to Brandywine Falls. He goes, oh, you are lost. And I'm like, yeah, I know that. I know I'm lost. He said, you're really far from Brandywine Falls. And I said, okay. I said, do you know where we're supposed to go? And then my wife has this wonderful idea. She said, is there any way that my husband could get on the bike with you? And now this guy is pretty big to begin with. He's got one of those big saddle, you know, Harley seats. And all I could picture was this. You know, going to Brandywine Falls. And, and he says, no, he said, there's only one seat here. And I'm like, thank you, Lord, thank you. It would have been so awkward. He goes, I, I think that's a horse trail. I think if you take the horse trail, you eventually, I, I think you'll make it to Brandywine Falls. And we said, all right. And so we walked and walked and walked. And all of a sudden, I saw a person. I was so glad to just see a living human being. And we f- found that person. We got back on the trail. And we're all the way back saying, man, I don't know how we got so lost and we came around the corner. I could see our car. 
And as we're getting ready to get in the car, there's a trash can right there. And I take this out of my pocket. I hadn't even looked at it. And when I opened it, it's a map of the whole area. Of the whole area. And as funny as that is to you, We have the word of God in front of us every single day. It is a map for our soul. And yet we will not know where to go if we're not in it. We will be lost and we will listen to a lie every single time. And we can quickly pinpoint a lie when we're resting in the truth. Because the word of God tells us you should know the truth and the truth shall set you what? Free. Thy word is truth. Friends, if you are listening to lies from the culture, a friend, even yourself, man, get back into the word. You can trust him. You, you can recognize the truth that my actions will, they will affect me. They will affect others. And I will be found out. But I want to rest in your truth. It's available to us every single day. Amen? Amen. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for today. Would we just continue to stay right where we need to be in the middle of your truth because it's being in the middle of your truth that we can identify a lie every single time. Thank you that you give us truth through your son, Jesus Christ, that we can know you and live with you and know that thy word is truth. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If we could all stand and sing together.